What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here. And before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Strava is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. Because what you'll find out is that this CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, whatever it is, you name it. And CBD is all natural and non-psychoactive. Plus, the coffee is rich, rich and tasty. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. That's BSN2019. Let's jump into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the cooks from mile high, the best part of the weekend. Hugging the perfect stranger as they become a friend. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast. Just two 27-year-old guys talking about <laughs> sports on, on today's podcast. Uh, before we do jump in, I want to tell you about Elixinol. And don't take my word on Elixinol. Take former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on Elixinol. Uh, Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's hemp balm, a topical pain reliever that's just one of Elixinol's many great non-THC products. What's more, 5% of your purchase will go to a nonprofit of your choice when you visit elixinol.com to get yours today. Sorry, I was just laughing because I completely predicted what was going to happen in the Rockies game. I was going to say, Ryan, we haven't even started the pod and you're batting 1,000. Exactly. Unlike uh, very the unlike the Rockies. Um, how was the birthday, my guy? It was great. Got to, see, got to hang out with the family. Went to a little Taco Tuesday last night with the girlfriend and I didn't know Taco Tuesday was so lit. Oh, yeah. Taco yeah. Tuesday goes off. Oh, yeah. Like an hour and a half wait, pop in place, some delicious tacos, some good margs. I will allow you to plug the place because I want to know where you went. Adelita's. Okay. I, I found it second time being there. I love it. It's awesome. On South Broadway, great margs, a little spicy jalapeno one for oh, me. Oh, whoa, whoa. And, uh, and the tacos were, were bomb. Do they do like um, weird tacos? Uh, we went with the dollar tacos for Taco Tuesday, so and those were all pretty normal. Just ground beef, chicken. Yeah, it was uh, dollar, carne wow. asada. Yeah, it was it was amazing. They they had one for two fifty. That was cow's tongue. Really splurging. <laughs> I didn't I didn't go with the cow's tongue. I believe they call that lengua mm. in Spanish. Have you had it? I have. It's delicious. It's chewy. I would uh, imagine. It's, it's yeah. I mean, it's a different texture. <laughs> I will say, my grandma used to just eat it like on a sandwich, which was too much for me. Is it cut so it just looks like ham, yeah, or is kinda. it just the tongue? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's sliced. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like it to be like cooked and mixed with stuff. Yeah, it, as long as it doesn't look like it, then I'm sure it's fine. For some reason, whenever I go to a taco joint, I just gotta have something weird. Yeah, I would, you'd probably go with a bug thing, right? I did do that once. <laughs> <laughs> I believe we've talked about that on this podcast. Yep. <laughs> I did eat a cricket taco. I, I'm just an open-minded guy, you know? You really are. When you say you'll try anything, you mean it. I mean, if it's going to be served, it's not going to kill me. I don't know. A cricket sliding down the throat could, like, slice the throat. I'll, I'll stop. They'll say he died doing what he loved. <laughs> Trying new Eating things. Eating weird <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Um, 
Zach, yesterday the Broncos were back. And it was kind of anticlimactic, I must admit, because we didn't get to see anything or watch anything. But we did get to talk to Von Miller, and he's pretty good at football. And we also got to talk, talk to Cortland Sutton, who might end up being pretty good at football. So what did you take away from our meeting with those two guys? First off, Von Miller has said he's always dreamed of owning one thing. How has he not owned that one thing until now? How does that have to be given to him as a present? I regret not making that my follow-up question. <laughs> um, because he said, I've all, my dream car is a Lamborghini. I've always wanted it. And I, in my head, I was like, you signed like a $200 million contract. Why wasn't that the first thing you did if that's what you've always wanted? Also, when do I get to have friends in which I get to use their money to buy them gifts? Uh, for real. Yes. And... Is that is that how it worked, we think? It has to be, right? There's two ways in which this worked. Like, Von Miller's friends and family just have access to an account that he kind of just mm. funds money into. Right. And they use the money from that in which he'll just replenish. Uh, <laughs> or he, like, just gives them so, each so much money all the time that they were <laughs> able to just pool it together. <laughs> Like, so it comes back to him. This isn't a, a, like a disrespect to no. any of Von Miller's posse, but none of them, you know, have are, are NFL football players. What do we think? Is that a quarter of a million dollars? Yeah, I, that's what I had. That's the number I had in my head was two hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> so I mean, if he if he's just throwing them hundred thousand dollar, <laughs> you know, Christmas bonuses or yep. whatever for being, you know, his security guard or whatever, is maybe they all just pooled together. But I think what probably happened is. You know, they they just told the dealership, like, hey, we're buying this for Von Miller. He'll pay you later. <laughs> Man, I, I would love gift shopping for people if that's what I could do. Well, remember, like, I that's how it used to be with your parents, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd be like, Mom, I'm going to the mall for Christmas shopping. She'd be like, okay, here's some money. <laughs> yep, exactly. That was fun. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's no thought you really have to put into that. It's not your hard work cash. Exactly. Um so that was a that's a great takeaway. My other takeaway from Vaughn was um I think a funny misconception that he cleared up when he was asked, When you were away from the team like Chris Harris Jr., was that stressful? <laughs> and he could not have dismissed that in, in any more of um convincing fashion when he said Stress stressed? <laughs> nah, man, I was chilling. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, let me ask you this. To all the listeners, yep. if you had the option of just not going to your job and it eventually was going to result in you making more money, <laughs> how would you like the sound of that? And at the end of the day, Von Miller knows he's Von Miller when he was going through that. Chris Harris knows he's Chris Harris. I mean, worst case scenario, Ryan, Chris Harris makes $8.5 million this year and he's mad about it, he's upset, and he knows that in, what, nine months from whenever he comes back, he's going to make, what, $25 million guaranteed? It really isn't the worst position to be in. Here's my question. Does this happen in real life? <laughs> like, if you were to hold out? Like, yeah, like, do people in, like, my position just show up to work one day and just say, I'm not doing the podcast until you double my pay. I guess that would be what a strike is. And typically it doesn't happen to that extent of that. But also you typically have a union. It's not just one person. I 
Ryan, I, I don't think we could fill your shoes, but I'm sure someone would sit in, in that place. Well, what if we both did it? I now mean, we're thinking. We're making it, listeners sweat right now. Either we, <laughs> either we get a you know a, a nice pay increase, or we're both out of a job real quick. I don't know exactly. Who knows? You know, I, I I will say there's definitely a lot of people who wouldn't mind this job, so that doesn't help our case. I bet I bet some people have gone rogue and have done this themselves, and. Uh, they find out they're fired five minutes later, and they're like, oh, okay, can I just have it? They're like, nope, you can't have it back. Yeah, I've heard about that happening recently in the Denver media market. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, maybe we won't um, try and, you know, hold Brandon Spano's hands to the flame <laughs> just to get a little raise. Um, but, like I said, Vaughn was like, no, it's not stressful. First of all, it's not even really you. It's your agent. And if you trust your agent you have a good agent, then you're just like, cool, I'll work out in the morning, do whatever the heck else I want to do the rest of the day. I can do it from any location in the world. Yep. I have the money to take a private jet to any <laughs> yeah. location in the world. So why would I want to be at work when I cannot be at work and it's not going to affect anything? And uh, yesterday we found out, I believe Chris is in Dallas right now. There's a chance, like you said, he could hop on that private jet and be there today, which he's not, or be there tomorrow. He could do that. He could be there next Monday or Tuesday. But it doesn't look like that. This is a long-term play for Chris. So, based on Vaughn's reaction, did you get any... I don't know. I, I felt like Vaughn, in his mind, didn't think this was that big of a deal. Exactly. That That's exactly the feeling that I got. And probably because Vaughn's been through this. And he knows that his deal worked out in the end for both sides. He got the biggest defensive contract in NFL history at the time, and the Broncos got him, and they got him back. And when Vaughn came back, he understood no hard feelings because he he, he understood that he sat out uh, in order to get the contract. The Broncos gave it to him. When he came back, he was great. That's the ideal situation with Chris, and I think that's how Vaughn views it. Vaughn sees that this is going to work out. He, he sees that the Broncos are going to give him a contract extension after the draft. And if so, great. Like we said yesterday, we, won't, we will never talk about this holdout again. But if not, that's when it gets interesting. The draft, I think, remember how I said, we used to say, like, this, is gonna, this draft is going to cause people a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think it's even more so now. Oh, I think yeah. if the Broncos draft a cornerback in the first two rounds, you might be saying goodbye to chris harris jr you might be or you will be in what situation do they draft a cornerback in the first two rounds does chris i guess i guess chris could come back this year but chris will not be a denver bronco in 2020 if they draft a cornerback in in one of the first two rounds it really feels that way i mean how you know how many corners do you need right if you have bryce callahan for three years and you have Kareem Jackson for three years and you have a rookie for four years and you have Isaac Adam for three years you don't I mean you every fan wants Chris Harris Jr. but the Broncos don't actually need him how offended would Chris be I mean I'm sure he's been a little offended these past few years maybe giving him the incentives last year helped with that but now they just paid two other cornerbacks instead of paying you this offseason and then they go and draft a guy it's clear that, that he would be on the way out. I mean, at that point, does he say, I'm not asking for a new contract anymore, I'm asking for a trade? It's, it's the Shane Ray situation all over again. And so, 
there's a re- there's a real part of me who hopes this doesn't happen because it's just going to be ugly on all fronts. Chris is not going to be happy. Um, the Broncos are going to be in an awkward position. And I think my take on this is if you do that, you trade him. But that's the hard thing about the draft is you can't predict it. From John Elway's position, I would say make that trade now. If you if you know you're going that route, you make that trade now so you get that pick this year so that person can help your team this year because remember, you are this year. You're trying to win this year. So let's say let's say you do that and you trade him, you get a second round pick for him and you draft a cornerback with that second round pick. At that point, why don't you draft a quarterback in the first round? Just do it because you're clearly not playing for this year, even though, you know, Rocky Sin can come in and help the team. There's also a chance that just like Isaac Adam, he has a, a, a tough year. And just like most cornerbacks, especially not like top five guys would have a rough first year, then just go all in and say, look, and John says, look, we're, we're, we're building this team to win from now on. That would be so confusing. <laughs> like win from now win from win from now on is kind of this catch all thing that doesn't really mean anything. But you can't make like four win now moves and one win later move and call that win from now on. <laughs> if you're making one win later move at the dra- at draft time, does that just mean that your draft intentions are that free agency was to win now and the drafts to win from now on? A wise man once said, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. <laughs> and so if you're, if you're winning now... Is that you? Is that, you're the wise man? I don't think so. It feels like Ron Swanson <laughs> or something. It does. Uh, if, you, if you're winning now, just be winning now. And so if you're winning now, you sign... you Maybe you don't sign Chris Harris Jr., but you definitely have him on the team this year, which means you aren't drafting a corner in the first couple of rounds. Because if you are that's going to make things way too awkward and, and you're not going to get the Chris Harris Jr. that you want. Like, let's be honest. Shane Ray changed last year as a locker room presence. He was a fantastic locker room presence for the entire beginning of his career. But the second that you know that you're not in the future plans, it's impossible to take the same pride in putting on that logo and walking into the building. Everyone, you know, can say they want to. And I think I don't think um, Shane Ray consciously changed who he was. It just that's who that's how it is. If your girlfriend tells you I'm going to get a new boyfriend one year from now, <laughs> you're not going to be so invested in the relationship because you know there's no future there. Yeah, you probably won't be happy walking into your apartment every single day knowing she's there. You're like, man, babe, really excited about these next 199 days. <laughs> she's got the calendar. She's crossing every day off. <laughs> uh, so you don't want Chris to be in that position because you're not going to get the Chris. Like as much as we all love Chris and as much of a team player as he's always been, you won't get that Chris Harris. You and, won't. And so you need to be very decisive and swift in your decision making here. So John has had the these moments in the past with Von Miller, with Demarius Thomas, um, and, and he's had a few other guys, but all of those were franchise tag guys. This is different with Chris because there is no franchise tag. And with the franchise tag comes a deadline. I believe it's typically always right in the middle of July, typically July 15th-ish, is when you have to uh, decide and agree on a long-term contract before that date. 
Otherwise, the player can decide to sit out the season on the franchise tag or just play on that franchise tag. With Chris, there's no deadline. So is this something, Ryan, where we see a deal that Monday after the draft with Chris and he's back in the building right away? Is this where we see something 48 hours before training camp starts and there's a new deal and he's back at training camp? Or is this something where training camp rolls around and there's no new deal and then what happens? Does Chris show up? Does he not? I mean, how, how, how does this take effect? Because now we're traveling undetected waters. Uh, you don't. You cannot let this get to training camp. That's why I mean. You, that's why I say you have to be swift and decisive. Look, if you're gonna patriots him and you're gonna say let's move on from him one year before he goes over the hill and know that he's gonna ball out for some team this year, make that decision right now and approach the draft in a way in which you're gonna pick up a second round pick from trading him. Is that what you? Is that what you think the value would be? I think so. Okay, so you pick up a second round pick by trading him. And you say we're gonna we're gonna use that second round pick to address corner, or we're gonna use that second round pick, the, our first round pick to address corner, and we'll use our second round pick uh, to address you know middle linebacker, whatever it may be. You have to be swift and decisive because if you if you don't draft a corner in the in the uh, in the upcoming draft, and then you get to training camp and you don't have something done with Chris, and he's not there, and he's not learning you know uh, building chemistry with Bryce Callahan and Kareem Jackson. All and, and Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel, all of these things are very, very bad. So figure out what you're doing yesterday and start acting on it. Okay, you're John Elway, but also throw some of your sense in here. This is my last question on this. Tell me what you would accept right now to trade Chris Harris, a third-round pick. No. Second-round pick. Probably. Okay, high second-round pick. Yeah, it's got yeah, you, end of the second round might as well be the third round. You want it to be um above 45. If you are any yes. potential playoff, t- yeah, <laughs> I mean, why in the world would you not? Yeah, and the, just in case you didn't know where Zach was going with it, the question was if you were any potential <laughs> playoff team, why wouldn't you trade a second round pick for Chris Harris Jr.? The answer is you 100% would because not only are you going you're going to get Chris Harris Jr., you're going to get Chris Harris Jr. with a chip on his shoulder, and you're also going to sign him to a new three-year deal. And what is it? Three years, $36 million? Yeah. You're getting a top-five corner in the game who has showed zero signs of slowing down, and you're getting him for, what, 20% of a 20% pay cut of what the highest corner is getting paid right now? I mean, come on. This is um, kind of a rare scenario where the team with the player is actually in the position of power. Because the Broncos don't have to trade Chris Harris Jr., uh, you know they'd get a nice, hefty um, c- compensatory pick, probably a second, or, you know, uh, a high compensatory pick for Chris next year if he just walks in free agency. So the Broncos can just say like, we don't, we have no incentive to trade him to you. We'll just hold on to him for the year. We'll get our compensatory pick next year. But if you want him, it's going to cost you, you know. A second and it, and if you're a late second it might cost you a second and a third and we've been talking about chris in such a high light which shows make this work make this work if you can now if he's saying i want four years 60 million dollars i want to be the top paid cornerback and i want 40 million guaranteed right now john's not going to do that i mean then then you're talking about ridiculous money and especially with the two corners that you've paid if it, if it comes to that then I understand getting getting a, a great value from him. But 
if it's such a good deal for all these other teams, only giving up a second in order to get such a good player, it means it's a bad deal for you. It's kind of like the Dolphins last year with Juwan James. Right. He was on the trade block, and everyone wanted him. Not everyone, but anyone with an offensive line need wanted him, and they thought to themselves, hmm, maybe we're doing the wrong thing here. <laughs> and they decided to hold on to him. So that also um, tells me what you just brought up, is that Chris needs to be swift and decisive. He needs to tell the Broncos right now, I want to be the highest, you know, I want to be one of the highest paid corners in the NFL. Who's the highest paid corner right now? You you looked at this It's uh, Josh Norman, 15 mil a year. If you're Chris Harris Jr. and you're saying, "Look, I want to be in that realm." Tell the Broncos right now because I guarantee you the Broncos are going to say no. And then everyone can get on with their lives right. and we'll move forward here. Um it's going to be painful for that to happen, but it's also painful to pay, you know, a 30-year-old cornerback $45 million over three years. You just don't really – you just can't really make that move with the amount of money that you're paying to Von Miller. Exactly. And, again, maybe Vic is saying, John, I'd rather use that $15 million or, or what would it be, $7 million to go use that $8 million to replace Chris next year and that $7 million to go get a stud guard or, or something along those lines. Oh, man. I I hate where this conversation is going because when I, when I read it yesterday, I thought, ah, oh, this is nothing. And the more I just talk about it, the more we just talk through this situation out loud, the more I start seeing paths to Chris Harris Jr. not being a Bronco. Now, there's little things that he wouldn't want to show right now, which is that his family is here. They've always lived here. They love it here. He loves the Broncos. He loves his teammates. All of these things are things that he wants to kind of hide right now. It, it, that that loses his leverage. And and that gives me confidence that he'll be back. But it really just comes down to the money. How much do you want? If you'll settle for, you know, a top – what is he right now? He's in, he's like 23rd. Yep. If you'll settle for top 15 type money, then you'll be here. Yep. If you want top five money, you're not going to be here. Yep. And I, and I think that's where the middle ground is, is top 10. Does he? Will he accept? And that—that's a um, a pay cut for him, for what he could make because he could go and get top five money. I believe. I think he could go out on the open market and get fourteen million dollars right now. Now, is he willing to accept twelve? I think John would be willing to pay that for three years. I do too, and he should be. Three years, thirty-six million dollars for Chris Harris Jr. feels like pennies. Um. Because it, it it really should be in that fourteen to fifteen million dollar range. That's what he, uh, that's what his market value would be out there. So, it this comes down to Chris, and I I assume that's what John is probably telling his agent right now. Is look, it's up to him. We have a certain amount of money allocated that we can give him. If he wants much more than that, it's just not going to happen here. So let's talk this through now. Gosh, wouldn't that just piss Chris off? The Broncos saying, we're going to pay these other guys, and we're going to open up the checkbook for you, but we're not going to open it up all the way, even though we know. So you just let us know. If I'm Chris, man, that just makes my blood boil on top of everything else. It's the ugly side of this game. The ugly side of this business is, you know, the no matter what, the team – Almost all cases, Sands, Von Miller type players and quarterback type players, the team always believes 
that they have a price tag and that the player is replaceable. Especially John Elway. Now, to put a little bright spin on this, even though, because in negotiations, it's always going to seem dark and gloomy from both sides. Von Miller, remember how rough that was? I mean, both sides were going back and forth being public about it. Instagram gate. Didn't, yeah. And was that the time where he said, I'm not playing this year under a franchise tag? Or maybe it wasn't direct, but he made a very strong indication that he would not be playing uh, in that season under the franchise tag. That was so awkward. It was so awkward. And then you know what Vaughn says? Maybe the first or second time we talk to him in training camp after he gets the deal, he says, he laughs and says, oh, there was no chance I was not going to play this year. I was going to be on the field for the Denver Broncos this year no matter what. And even though he said those things and he put those things out, the Instagrams, all, all that stuff, and Chris has to play the hardball game right now if he wants it to work out. Say it doesn't work out, maybe he is playing for for one more year at eight and a half with Denver. That would just be a, a bummer. It would be a bummer for Chris Harris Jr. to not be a Bronco for life. Um, I think he is kind of the heir to Champ Bailey. I mean, he totally is the heir to Champ Bailey. And it was weird when Champ Bailey went and was a saint for, you know, um, uh, what was it, a month even though he never ended up playing for them. So you hope it all works out. You really do. But it would be naive of us to not acknowledge that there are certainly paths that end with Chris Harris Jr. wearing Rams white and blue this year. And each day that goes on, that just gets more realistic. Can you imagine Keeve and Chris reunited there? The no-fly zone? Wade Phillips. I wouldn't be surprised to see Shane Ray end up there on a on a oh prove it deal. Oh my gosh! And then they go and they go deep in the playoffs or win the Super Bowl. Right. Would Would Broncos fans be cheering for that, or would they just be so disgusted? Because if you're cheering for it, you're cheering for the players. If you're not cheering for it, it's kind of because you're pissed off at at the team for letting these guys go. Because they would, if Chris were to go do that and Shane were to go do that. They would have let all of those guys go. They gave Akeeb to them. They let Wade Phillips walk, and obviously, you know, Shane, they let him walk, and then Chris, they traded him. Well, Chris is just re- would just be replacing uh, C.J. Anderson in terms of Broncos on the Rams, and and all the um, all the Broncos fans were cheering for the Rams last year, so I yeah. think people would be cheering them on. Yeah, I think so too. Man, that would be weird. That would be weird. Don't let it happen. Hope it doesn't happen. All right, let's talk quickly about Cortland Sutton. Uh, I ended up writing a story about what I learned from Cortland and it's something that we kind of already knew, but it's, it's exciting to see how, how, um, top of mind it is for Cortland. And that is the leadership aspect. Look, this team has been missing a lot, uh, over the last three years. But one thing I think that you cannot deny is that leadership has been a void and you have guys like Chris Harris Jr. Who is a leader and you have, you know, you had Demarius Thomas, who's a leader, but when it comes down to it, Zach, who is the leader of this team? And the answer is you don't know because there hasn't been one guy. Well, last year we talked so much about leadership in that class, but all those guys were rookies. They weren't even allowed to sit on the couch in the locker room. Um, now all these guys have a chance to step into leadership roles. You know, Philip Lindsay could be and honestly should be a captain and it's going to really I think alter the makeup of this team it should and that's the hope now you hope it's because this this class is just such a strong leadership group that they just take over 
you hope it's not because there's no leaders and it kind of falls on this second year class and it's just too big for them in the moment. And Cortland said, these guys are, these veterans are already looking at us already. That was their first day in the building yesterday. Uh, and you hope that they're ready to take that step because, Ryan, this is, it could be scary if this second year class is the leadership of the team. It could also be extremely encouraging, not just for this year, but for the next five or 10 years. Yeah, obviously Joe Flacco is going to put on the you know the biggest leader hat. Um, he has to. It's the way it always is. He'll be a captain too. I can tell you that right now, whether they vote on it or not, he's a captain. Um, but when you look at Philip Lindsay and you look at Cortland Sutton and you look at Josie Jewell, who was a, you know a multi-year captain in college, and uh, Sam Jones, who was a captain, um, and you can just go through the list. All of these guys, high character players who are captains in college. And if just a couple of them, if just Philip Lindsay and Cortland Sutton become leaders uh, of the offense, if just, you know, um, Bra- Bradley Chubb, I forgot to mention Bradley Chubb, if Bradley Chubb becomes a leader of the defense and Philip Lindsay becomes a leader of the offense, like that is going to alter this team and it's going to make them better in the long run. So, you do you there is a scary part where you know you don't want to be relying so much on young guys for all of your leadership but who else are you looking to because we already know that Von Miller while he is fantastic he's just his personality doesn't lend itself to being a true leader he is a man of the people he'll tell you that um Peyton Manning wasn't a man of the people <laughs> Peyton Manning was a man of winning yep and telling and doing whatever it takes to do that like Vaughn there are times where he wants to be that guy it's just not something that is natural to him to just get on people and yell at guys and it just it's not in his personality who else on offense there's no one nope not a single person except Joe Flacco it's the guy they outside of Joe Flacco it's the guy they sent out yesterday to talk to the media it's Cortland Sutton and then there you go there's the young guys it's Phil uh, now, they could have sent him out there, too, but he's injured. So, it's you just look directly at those second-year players. That kind of gave me a, a, a stir when I realized the best option they have for to hit leadoff for yeah. the offense right now is Cortland Sutton. Now, really the best option they had was Flacco, but Flacco is the last Bronco that we talked to. So, I assume they, they said we'll push him back, um, you know, one cycle. Maybe we'll talk to him tomorrow. I'm not sure. But... Cortland Sutton, like that was not a, not a knock on Cortland, but Philip Lindsay wasn't available, and Emmanuel Sanders wasn't available, and that could be the case. Come the start of training camp, really makes you think. It make, makes you go down the roster, doesn't it? And you're like, well, no, they could have gone to the offensive line. They could they they could have gone to the other wide receiver. And it's like, whoa, okay, okay. Yeah. And I'll just tell you this: I heard a rumor that. Tomorrow we're going to be talking to Andy Janovich, not Joe Flacco. No, no. I mean, those arms are huge and all, and he—I feel bad for his shirts, but wow. I Any mean, question on if Jano is making the team? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's 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 a uh, slim pickings when you take out the. I mean, well, look at the offense last year in the last four games. You took out Phil, or what was it? The last three four games. Game? Yeah. When did Phil go down? Phil was the last. He was one before Emmanuel, right? So the last five games. It was Emmanuel before him. Phil Phil was against the the Raiders, 
Was that week You're 17? right. Yeah, it was 16. 16. 16. So one more game. Okay. Yeah. So look at the offense in that last game with no Emmanuel Sanders and no Philip Lindsay. How about this? Cortland Sutton was the team's top wide receiver for the last four games of the season. You know what he did Nothing. in those four games? 36 yards per game. Like, whoa. Yeah, so it it is um, slim pickings once you take out Phil and Emmanuel. That's the that's the offense. Phil and Emmanuel are the <laughs> offense. Yep. Yep. Um, so it was kind of weird because it's like, what are you going to do? Go Jeff Hireman? You're going to go Garrett Bowles? In terms of names, Garrett Bowles is probably next on the list. Is he the highest? He's the highest drafted offensive player. Yep. <laughs> That's wild. That is wow. When you put it that way, you should tweet that. <laughs> Maybe they do need to spend 10 on offense. <laughs> yeah, now we come around to the realization. Yeah, we just figured out the entire Broncos draft strategy by realizing that the hi- the highest drafted player on their offense was drafted in the 20s of the first round. Yeah. And uh, Jawan James, I believe he was – I think he was also in the 20s. He was 20s, yep. <laughs> Flacco. Where was he? Like he was 10? in the top 10. Okay. All right. Okay. So we, there, we, we did miss one there. That yeah. was like 20 years ago. But yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Sorry. But still. Yeah. When you take out Flacco, who at least, I mean, that I feel much better now. But no skill position players. Man, it it just everything rides on Joe Flacco on that offensive side of the ball. I mean, if he is bad then the running game is going to look like it did the, the last four games of the season when they defenses had no respect for Case Keenum. If he's good, then he can be that leader that the offense has so desperately needed since Peyton left. Uh, he, he will open up the offense so much. He'll keep them uh, about an average offense at least, and that's all you need is an average offense to go with a top-five defense, and that's how this team is built right now. If Joe is not very good, Oh boy, it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be really bad. Does that? Do you think that keeps John Elway up at night, or do you think he's so confident in Joe Flacco? Like, do you think his confidence in Joe Flacco is that real, or do you think when he lays in bed at night he thinks, "Oh God, I think it's that real." If Joe Flacco goes off a cliff this year, we are done. I think it's that real. John's a very confident guy, and I think when he makes a move, he is one hundred percent behind it. But we'll find out. Draft night comes around. Number ten's on the clock. If they go Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins, then we certainly know that John's been missing some sleep these past few months. And if he sticks with Flacco, then it's it's what I think. He is 100% confident in him. When I uh, I went back and watched a little Dwayne Haskins, just because that name started sounding like it could fall to 10. Yep. He should not fall to 10. Especially the way the Broncos uh, want to play offense. He's a can't miss, in my opinion. He's that good. Um, he put up the best stats in the Big Ten of anyone since Russell Wilson. It's not too bad. Not a bad guy to come, you know, to come up with. And I realize stats aren't everything, but when you watch this guy play, anyone—if the Giants don't draft Dwayne Haskins just because what they want to go one more year with Eli and do it next year—they are idiotic. Oh, so it'd be so stupid. Who else is in the top ten that needs a quarterback? <sighs> 
Do the, the Jags? Raiders, like the uh, Raiders? I, I think they like lock more than Haskins. That's dumb. I've seen a lot of things connecting the Raiders to any quarterback, really, that's available at four. Take Haskins. I mean, for the Broncos' sake, you know, you don't want them to, but Haskins, dude, is you know, I I fell in love with Kyler Murray and kind of just drowned out my my love for Haskins. Yep. And I just came back to Haskins recently, and I'm like, this guy, he's he's not Kyler Murray. I'm not going to put him in that in that. But he's, <laughs> I honestly believe he's Cam's quarterback. Yeah, and that's how he was viewed until Kyler Murray took off two months ago. Led by you. It was all me, baby. <laughs> Kyler Murray is so good. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. <laughs> um, anything else from Cortland that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, almost all of his quotes revolved around that group stepping up as leaders. Make sure you go check out both of our stories from yesterday on bsendenver.com. Um, Andre is, he's chomping at the bit to just do more and more and more draft content as we get close. Mm. So uh, we got draft content coming from Andre today. Um, a lot of stuff coming to BSN Denver. Make sure you go subscribe if you haven't yet. And let's uh, hit a quick break here and we come back. We'll get to your questions. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Moving along here on the BSN Broncos podcast, hopping into questions from the subscribers and only from the subscribers. If you want to get your questions in, subscribe to bsndenver.com and find the latest podcast, the one that we likely would have posted yesterday or that day. Pop into that comment pop into that comment section, leave us your question, and we are batting 1,000 career on answering those questions. So let's hop in right now. And this first one comes in from Free Lindsay. And look at that. He's a first-time commenter. <laughs> he says, hey, guys, first-time commenter. Is if John is really planning on letting Chris walk, what are your thoughts on trading back and getting greedy Williams and also getting extra draft picks for Chris? Whoa, getting a little greedy there. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, yeah, and, and that's, that's how I could see this going down is and why John probably wants to wait until after the draft. There's a reason. He wants to see how the draft unfolds and see if a corner falls to him or – if they just get in a situation where they kind of have to take a corner, they feel like they have to. Let's say they trade down to 19, where a lot of guys can go off the board, and they say, we want these five guys. I don't, I don't know who it is. An offensive lineman, Devin Bush, uh, Ed Oliver, Tillery. And let's say all five of those guys somehow go in those nine picks. And then they're sitting there, and they're saying, oh, we have a lot of late first-round guys. 
but Byron Murphy, we thought he was the 12th best player in this draft. We can't pass on it. We can't pass on it. So then they take him, and then the realization hits Broncos country very quickly that this is the end for Chris. Now, I I don't see it being greedy right now just with the tackling. Vic did say this past week that you can teach tackling, but, boy, it just seems like there's uh, Byron Murphy just profiles a lot better. I think what I'm realizing is that John Elway wants to be completely free in this draft. And if you sign up Chris right now, like you know for a fact you're not taking a corner, you know? And that kind of hurts his freedom. If you trade Chris Harris Jr. right now, before the draft, then you kind of have to take a corner. (laughs) So I think he wants the utmost freedom so he can do anything and everything he wants in the draft. And if, like, what you mentioned just pops up, then he says, okay, I have no problem drafting um, Byron Murphy. It's going to save me $36 million or, you know, $30 million over the next three years. So that works out for us. That's a positive thing for us. Um, If, you know, if it's Tillery, then they take him and then they, you know, they take him and then they go back to Chris and they say, hey, let's do it. Let's sign up because they still want Chris around. So I think John, every move he's made kind of adds up to he's at 10, which is really a mover's place. Um, If he wants to move back, that's a great place to move back from because you're already out of the upper tier. And, you know, if if you want to move up, you could do it. If you want to just sit there and take best player available, like all these options are available to John right now. And with that being said, they're not drafting Greedy Williams. (laughs) <laughs> it would be a different first round guy just because Greedy Williams is a really bad tackler and and Vic Fangio said that's non-negotiable exactly next one coming in from Luca he says hi guys still need to listen to the episode but right now I take every question that pops into my head and hope it's not already asked by this great community of all the players currently on the roster who do you guys think has the biggest chance and potential to become the surprise of next season as always keep it up the surprise who is going to be the surprise i feel like it's got to be a young guy yep do you have someone i i see like you're you're moving over there i've got a few uh, a few guys two guys you get you got to look at where there's potential wide receiver there there's potential because heck if emmanuel is not ready to go these guys are going to get plenty of work and tight end so at tight end, the, the first guy that popped in my head was Deshaun Hamilton. I loved what I saw from Deshaun at the end of last season. I know he got a lot of flack. I thought it was he was he was terrific at the end of last season. I think he could turn in to be a really solid player. In fact, I think he could be, if Emmanuel doesn't recover how he's planning to be, I think he could be the safety net for Joe Flacco. And he could get eight targets a game. Every single game. So that's who that that's who my mind first went to. But then tight ends. I mean, Jake Butt, you love the potential. Is he gonna stay healthy? What about Troy Fumagalli? I mean, that that's not necessarily the guy that jumps out to you as being a six hundred yard receiver his first year. But I also don't know if Jeff Hireman is just going to if you can count on him. So you gotta look at the guys behind him. If Troy Fumagalli bursts onto the scene, can can everyone do Fum? Oh man, when he gets they have cat? to, right? I've always I've always wanted a player like that. The Buffs had one. 
They had they've had a couple. They had Jeremy Bloom, mm. who of course most people know the story of Jeremy Bloom, and then they also had um, a running back named Hugh Charles, who everyone did Hugh. <laughs> Those guys are just the best. Like the the abs right now, they have Grubauer, Grew. Yep. The, everyone, I feel like it's key to success. You got to have a player like that. And Joe Flacco admitted he he remembers Denver for the incomplete. Now I don't know of any other thing that's really said in the stadium. I, I, is there? You know, like a like a player's name or anything like that. Remember they used to do they used to do the um, the touchdown song, which was dope, and they had they had a little chant in there. But it was a da na na hey. Right, right, then, right, right. I thought you were playing on uh, on the uh, their theme song recently. <laughs> they do have the fight song. So apparently, the guy who wrote that song, hey, yeah, did like oh. got caught up in some gnarly stuff. I don't know what it is, but I know it's bad. And teams tried to move away from that, which I understand. But Wasn't that just, similar to the Monday Night Football song? Yep, yep. With um. I forget his name, but, uh, yeah, that, that apparently that guy, you know, turned out to be a bad dude. No one knows who that guy <laughs> no, is. Right. <laughs> it's not like a Beatles song where everyone instantly associates right. it with the Beatles or even Led Zeppelin or like, I don't know the guy's name, and I bet no one knows the guy's name unless they know him for that scandal. I have no idea. Do you think he makes royalties in a stadium? I wouldn't think so. No way. <laughs> it's not like they have to pay the black eyed peas every time they play. I got a feeling. So, I, yeah, that, I think they forced that, and that's how they ended up with that super forced, quote-unquote, <laughs> fight song. Anyways, somehow we got to there from who's going to be the surprise <laughs> player of the year. And for me, it's got to be Philip Lindsay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think Joe Flacco is going to be the surprise player of the year. Mm, and a good surprise or a bad <laughs> surprise? <laughs> Not in the sense of, like, it's a meat surprise for dinner. <laughs> Meatloaf surprise. Oh, gosh. Um <laughs> no, I think Joe Flacco is going to pleasantly surprise people. That'll be huge. This team will be a winning club if that happens. And, and let's be honest, you know, it doesn't. It's not going to take much because people have such low expectations <laughs> for Joe Flacco. Yep, two to one touchdown to interception ratio, and he's done it. Why did he? How and why did he become a guy that was so easy to roast? Like uh, he's kind of like a running joke on the internet. He just he looks goofy when he's out there. You know, when he, when he does something great, he looks goofy. When he does something bad, he looks goofy. He's just Goofy Joe. Fair enough. Mile high Joe to you. <laughs> um, I think I think he surprises people. I think he comes out and has a very efficient, solid season. He's a strong leader for the Broncos. And, and I think by the end of the season, Broncos fans like Joe Flacco. I would not bet against it. All right. Uh, Karch comes in and, and gives his idea, and he says, Will Parks. Mm. The dude really seems to have the mental edge and desire to succeed that you need to succeed in the NFL. I believe in him. Boy, if he ever needs a chip on his shoulder, too. I mean, and he knows. He's out on social media kind of getting his name out there. Karch just said the name Will Parks more than uh, Vic Fangio ever has in his life. <laughs> yep, exactly. So I honestly was thinking um, of Will, and I was going to say his name, and then I thought – it doesn't even feel like they know who he is. On defense, there's not a lot of guys you can go to because a lot is solidified. Will Parks is a great one. You could say Justin Simmons after having kind a, a down year, year. Yeah, like kind of a bounce back third year yeah. type of thing. Uh, next question here comes in from Vivid Swing, which just makes me think of golf. <laughs> I really want to play golf. I think I'm going on Saturday. Virtual Swing? 
Vivid Swing. Right, but it's like a virtual swing. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was like some app. It sounds like an app. It really does, yep. Anyways, it says, Download yeah. Download Vivid Swing. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and like track your shot, all of your right. shots today. Um, he says, yeah, I'm getting a draft cap. Being from Copenhagen, I'm not exactly local, but I love, love the new look. There we go. Here's hoping my BSN shirts make it here in time for the draft. No question today. Just wanted to give my two cents. Also, a straw has just one hole. Yeah. 60-40 was the final poll results. 1,400 votes. I went in and I voted and I was on the winning side. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, I really, I mean, I know Copenhagen is far away, but if you ordered shirts, I really hope they get there before a month's time. Man, Copenhagen is a sweet city. Is it? Yeah. And let the... uh, the shirts from BSN seem like a great value to anything in Copenhagen. If uh, the beginning of the Periscope of Vic Fangio's press conference uh, in Arizona is any uh, indication, he also is a big <laughs> fan of Copenhagen. A different type of Copenhagen. <laughs> uh, let's see. He also chimes in and says, happy birthday, Zach. Oh, I thank you so much, Vivid Swing. All right, Karch comes in once again. He says, I've got a question for you guys and Andre on the draft pod. I've heard a lot of buzz around Tampa Bay taking Devin White at five, which would suck because I selfishly want him in Denver. But I haven't really ever seen or heard anything about quarterback being an option for them. Why do you think that is with a new offensive coach in Bruce Arians and an abysmal quarterback in in Jameis Winston? Why wouldn't they be looking for a QB early? Thanks for the awesome content as always. Boy, could this be the smokescreen of the draft? Could be, yeah. Just zero. I mean, it comes. It, it came out before Bruce Arians interviewed for the job in Tampa Bay that oh, Bruce Arians may be connected with this Tampa Bay job. And by the way, he loves Jameis Winston. And also, by the way, he you know it is has he been around him in the past or is he from the same area? He has some connection to him, and so everyone points to oh, he loves him. He loves his potential. He loves his talent. And they're from the same area. They have this connection. He's going to, you know, he's going to do everything to turn him around. If anyone can do it, it's Bruce Arians. What if they just, well, and what if that was the intent from the from the moment he got started? He says, "I love Dwayne Haskins," or "I love Drew Locke." I'm not going to say one of their one of their names until draft night when I'm introducing them. It'd be genius. Um, here's the thing: if he loves Jameis Winston, they should definitely draft Dwayne Haskins because Dwayne Haskins is Jameis Winston. With better accuracy, less turnovers, and no off-the-field baggage. <laughs> it sounds pretty good. Yeah. So, um, I have no idea why they're thinking this Jameis Winston thing could work. This is, you know, one of those things where they're just, they're just. I think they're just praying that Bruce Arians can get something out of him because it looks so bad where they drafted him. But man, I just, uh, I just don't know how it's ever going to work for them with Jameis Winston. He's just not good. And that's the worst place to be because he's not awful. He will win you a few games. I don't know. Uh, you're right. It would be the smokescreen of the draft if they just went and drafted Dwayne Haskins. Unless their plan and Bruce Arians' plan is, I think I can turn Jameis around. If not, we're going to be bad for a year or two, and then I'm going to get Trevor Lawrence or Tua next year. Fair enough. Uh, you want to get the next one? Next one coming in from BWR. He says, hey, guys, hope your day is going well so far. I have what will probably be a rather naive question pertaining to salary cap. Cap space changes every year, but the Broncos typically have somewhere between four to eight million left every year after rookie contracts and all that. 
I know some of that cap space can be rolled over into next year, and of course physical cash on hand may dictate some moves, but why can't or why wouldn't Elway see what's left at the end of the offseason and then distribute at least part of it to players who took a hometown discount or were otherwise deserving? After the Chris Harris Jr. conversation, it seems like it could go a long way in establishing good relationships if Elway said, you know, we have $6 million in cap space being unused. Here's $2 million, and thanks for being a team player. Thanks, guys. Man, I think, I think if you were an owner of a team... They would love you. <laughs> um, it just it's true. <laughs> I mean, just like in all facets of business, you just don't really just give out money just because you have it. You know, um, that cap space can be used. All of it can be used the next year. You can roll over every penny of it into the next year's salary cap. So that's the main part of it. The other part is it's just like not normally good business to just hand out money. <laughs> Uh, unless there's an actual like bonus being, you know, and I guess you could say like, it's a lifetime bonus. Here's $2 million. It just, it's never been done that way. And here's really what the incentive thing was as close as you'll ever get to that. Right. That was kind of unprecedented. It it was completely unprecedented for John Elway to do that. First time he's ever done that to a player. And to, to get to your, your point though, this can happen, but not in this way. What would happen is the Broncos would say, okay, we have $6 million left over. And BWR says after, at the end of the offseason. Kind of the end of the offseason is right after the draft. You know how much money you have or, or don't have. You're not making any trades really after the draft. If you're picking up a free agent, it's a, it's a vet min guy. So you have that money saved. But this is what John Elway's saying is, I want to wait till after the draft, see what we have. And if Chris is in our future plans after the draft, we have $6 million left. I'm not going to give him $2 million for this year and just have him play his final year at $10.5 million. No, I'm going to use that $2 million this year to stack onto the $8.5 million he's making this year and build that into a new contract. So that's what John's doing. But in terms of goodwill, there's no goodwill in the NFL. In most, place, in most businesses, <laughs> yeah. there's not just goodwill money being handed out. Um Let's take our last break here, and when we come back, we'll get to the rest of the questions. Green Mountain Dental has a long-standing tradition of being one of Lakewood's best family dental care offices. Um, I have been a patient since I was three, which is in 1974. You know, my parents, myself, and now my children all go there. It's just a great place to be, very positive experience with them, definitely. New patients can receive free teeth whitening trays when they schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also, all colored sport mouth guards start at just $25. The doctors will come out and visit with you, um, ask you how your family is doing. You know, just very friendly and family-oriented. It's just very comfortable to, to be there. That's GreenMountainDentalGroup.com. Final segment here on the BSN Broncos podcast, and I just want to mention this just for the the people uh, in Denver this week. Um, if you're going to be at opening day on Friday, which I personally will be, uh, make sure to swing by the BSN Rockies pre- and post-game party at Ice House Tavern. Just, I mean, it's hard to even call it a block away from Coors Field. It's really like a half block away from Coors Field on the south side of the stadium. Um, should be a good time down there. Come by, hang out, meet Drew Creaseman. If you haven't followed his Rockies coverage and you're a Rockies fan, you're completely missing out. 
his podcast is also fantastic. So uh, check that out for sure. It's going to be a good time. And, and if you're there, I'll probably uh, bump into you. And if you're not in Denver, you probably want to make your way to Denver for Friday. It's going to be nuts. That should be on your bucket list if you're an out-of-state car, out-of-sports fan or out of the uh, country car, out-of-sports fan. Rocky's opening day is the biggest party in Denver. It is. It's wild. I mean, it, it, it really should be a local holiday. It essentially is. I mean, I know our um, our employer isn't expecting anything from me, at least. <laughs> um, let's get on here with the questions. And the next one here comes in from Nick Scott. He says, long time, no comment. Oh, long time, no comment. Like, not long time, no see. Good to be back <laughs> in the comment section. I have to start with the straw debate. I think a straw only has one hole, and here's why. In my opinion, in order for something to be considered a hole... I think of something that has an entrance and an exit. I mean, we don't call craters on the moon holes. We call them craters, ditches, etc. I don't know. Just my two cents. Love the off-topic debates. Now for football. <laughs> I really enjoyed watching Tim Patrick play this past season. Do you think they find a spot for him in this offense in the next season or two? Or does he just consider his small role on the team or just no role? Love the off-season content. Keep rolling, guys. P.S. Happy birthday, Zach. Oh, I thank you very much. Now, my initial thought is... No, he's not going to have a big role. He He's going to kind of be in that Jordan Taylor role, except a little bigger of a role because he has performed well. But how can I say that? I mean, who, who is he sitting behind? Cortland Sutton, yes. Emmanuel Sander is, if healthy, yes, he's sitting behind him. Deshaun, probably, yeah. But then he's the fourth guy. And I think I think they would use him even more than a typical fourth guy because of his deep presence and because what he can do in the red zone uh, and his height is a tremendous asset. But those were a lot, those were those were an ifs with Emmanuel. Um, Deshaun, maybe they want the threat of Tim Patrick more uh, than Deshaun's shiftiness on a lot of plays. So I do think he'll have a role this year. I think he does. And actually, when someone said the surprise player of the season and I was perusing through my mind, his name came across. I, I just think there's so much opportunity there. The problem is I think the Broncos are going to draft a guy somewhere in there that is probably going to get a slightly heightened opportunity than Tim will have. It's just the unfortunate truth about the NFL is draft position does um, determine opportunity in a lot of cases. So I think he's a guy that has a real shot. And he's only gotten better over his NFL career. And the Broncos do like him. Um, it's just he's not in the in the top of the rotation. All right, I got a, a fun one here for you, Ryan, from Samuel B. Sui. He says, so if a team goes 1-0-15, do they have a 1,000% win percentage? LOL. <laughs> no, because <laughs> I have no idea. I just I'd like to assume that a, a tie counts as half a win. Counts as nothing. Did you do Did you do the research on this? I have not done the research. Okay, yet. then did, don't speak <laughs> in such absolutes. But how could how could that not be a one thousand win percentage? Because you only won one of your sixteen games. Oh, so you're okay. So your loss you would be undefeated, and your loss percentage would be zero, but your win percentage would be in the dumps. I think you. <laughs> I think it's it's counts as half a win. So you add up the fifteen. Now you're at seven and a half. You're at eight and a half wins. So you have your win percentage is eight point five out of sixteen. So you're in the worst place to be. Yes. 
because you're not making the playoffs. That's because I, I, I truly believe OO and 16 is 500. That is amazing. Yeah, eight wins. So I think it counts as half of that's what I, that's what I'm going with uh, in my completely unsubstantiated theory. I'll do some I'll do some digging. Probably who, who do we reach out to like NFL offic- rules officials? Mm, they'd be like, don't even go down this route. It's never gonna happen. Next year, it's, there's an OO and sixteen team. <laughs> the chances of even a team like one team having one tie in a year are so low. Yep. Multi, let alone two. Two is astronomical. Like if you bet on the Broncos having two ties in Vegas, you would be getting like over a hundred to one. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Um, Can oh, you imagine uh, rooting for a tie because you have a bet out there. There's <laughs> oh. like five minutes left in overtime. You're like, Come on. <laughs> that third down defensive stop. Did the Broncos have an overtime game last year? I don't think so. No. When's the last time they had an overtime game? That's a good question. Feels like it's been a while. It does. Because we're always they definitely haven't had one at home. Because we no. would have been down there for the whole Thank goodness. Unless it's a warm, warm <laughs> weather early September season. September day, yeah, I like that. From OJF. I thought the straw question was stupid until I thought about RK's nail analogy. <laughs> it's death one hole. <laughs> Paying Chris seems like a no brainer to me, and it's the least he deserves for his services. My question today is regarding the timing of the draft. Saw a lot of discussion that it should be before free agency or a lot earlier anyway. Interested to hear your thoughts. Why? Why not? (laughs) Before free agency. I don't think before free agency. No, and I guess, like, why not have it right now, the end of March? Well, that would be... I think it's a a competition thing. Right now, you're competing with the end of the season for the NBA and the NHL. Although, I guess you're competing with the playoffs, right? Aren't you? Well, but also think about this. Does the, does the NFL want to be relevant September through February and then all of March and then not in April, May, or June, or July? No. They want to be relevant. I, w- I wouldn't be even surprised if they pushed it back till May, the, the end of May, just to have that more intrigue. Because everyone's talking about the draft. And once the draft's over... If there was like one draft every three years, we'd still be talking about the draft <laughs> all the time. Exactly. And once the draft's over, there's still a lot of local coverage from yours truly here until their summer break. But in terms of national perspective, stuff kind of dies off. Yeah, I think it is. It's just a perfect way of spreading things out. We talk, talk, talk about the draft until April. In April, we start talking about the players they drafted. That gets us through about a month. Then they do all their workouts in May. Then it's June. Everyone gets a quick break, and then it's training camp. Yep. It, everything is meticulously spread out. And then uh, a team fires a coach, and there's no off season. Always Welcome fun. to this year. Always fun. <laughs> oh wow! wow. We got the Rockies <laughs> game on here, and Ian Desmond just had a went for a ride in center field. Didn't work out well for him. No. Anyways, uh, for Mr. T. He says, on the Chris Harris trade discussion, here are my thoughts. He's everything you want in a player. I could list all of his positive attributes, but you discussed them all, so I'll move on. Next, why would you pay big money to Kareem Jackson, who is older and slightly less capable, as opposed to just giving a few more million bucks to Chris? Finally, if you do trade him, that's a hole that you can't expect to fill in 2019, so it doesn't fit win now. However... If I'm John Elway, I'm calling Arizona to see what the price for Josh Rosen is. Vance Joseph knows Chris is the bomb and would kill to have a quarterback tandem of Harris and Patrick Peterson, which is what we always wanted in Denver. 
So if Arizona was willing to trade Rosen for Chris Harris and say one of our fifth rounders, I'd seriously consider it. We get the QB of the future without having to leverage any of our premium draft picks, and we get to thank Flacco for winning us another Super Bowl in 2019 and then can move on from him without having to pay him $20 million in 2020. All of a sudden, we have a young, semi-experienced quarterback, a good roster, a great coaching staff, and cap space to sign a couple big names a year from now. The ultimate win from now on move. Holy cow. What, what a scenario thrown up by Mr. T. The first w- way I viewed this was from Arizona's perspective. Why would you pass that up? And then you go get Kyler Murray, maybe in the second round with their with the first pick in the second round, they get a stud defensive lineman, and man, how how things look so different there in the desert. Broncos, I mean, right now it's believed it'll be a second or third round pick for Rosen. Um, yeah, I mean, I I guess makes sense, right? I wouldn't. He said throw in a fifth rounder. I would actually kind of want to see if I can get Arizona to throw in a little something extra. Right, because who's getting the better player? Not yeah, position position value, but right. player. Well, and they don't have leverage on Josh Rosen if they're drafting Kyler Murray. Right. We already know you want to trade him. And I I don't think you necessarily need Vance there in Arizona to know how good Chris is. I think any team would take Chris. Yeah, Chris is incredible, but it's weird how much how many moves. Uh, out there in Arizona have Vance Joseph connections to them. Is he the GM and and Cliff Kingsbury is the head coach? It it feels like like every move they're making um it's like oh well, yeah he was with Vance or like this guy you know this this reason because of Vance. You know what's crazy Ryan is Vance is probably more empowered there than he was as the head coach and he's a defensive coordinator. Yeah. It's pretty weird pretty weird i mean like they brought in tremaine brock of all people tremaine brock Mm. and oh i guess they're not working out jamar taylor but jamar taylor is working out with the team today i believe the lions good luck good luck uh from bleed orange blue you guys never really answered my question about la and his drafting offensive players what is it that makes him so bad at drafting them? <laughs> Defensive players are easier to draft is kind of a reason, but I want your opinions. Is he closed-minded? Is he looking for only scheme-type guys? Is he just reaching for guys who aren't that great? What is it? I'm just poor evaluation. Yeah, I mean, I think we gave our best guess yesterday, which <laughs> right. is that it's harder, and he hasn't been as good at it. Um, I don't – I mean, certainly the quarterback um, dimensions has hurt him drafting quarterbacks because, you know, not directly, but he drafted – Brock Osweiler over Russell Wilson, you know, that, that hurt him. Um, you know, he drafted Paxton Lynch over, you know, I guess you would say Dak Prescott that year was kind of the next big quarterback behind them. Um, so I think with quarterback, it's definitely hurt him. I don't think it's hurt him in other areas. Um, I have often said that their problems in the second and third round is that they always want to go BPA in the first round and then they reach for needs in the second round. So maybe that's something that's hurt them is just reaching for need a little bit in those second and third rounds where John has done most of his offensive player drafting. But I, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to know the exact reason as to why he struggled. So you have not last year, not including last year, you have Garrett Bowles, Carlos Henderson, Oof. Paxton Lynch. I'm trying to think of like the top, the higher picked offensive players. Am I missing Monte any Ball. one? Okay. Yep. Cody Latimer. Sure. All of those guys, um, 
there's been questions about the mental makeup and the mental part of the game. It's not with the physical part. So maybe that's part of the evaluation is John didn't realize how important that was, which just because, I mean, he's so smart and was so is so good at that game. Maybe he just looked at the tape, uh, didn't really talk to teammates or coaches, uh, whatever, just didn't look at that side. Whoa. Yeah. All of those players. Yeah, big question marks, right? Monte Ball, obviously, uh, his wasn't like a me- – it was just he, – he was an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, plain and simple. Yep. Um, Cody Latimer couldn't pick up the Peyton Manning offense, mental stuff. Carlos Henderson, just just not the sharpest tool. Uh, Paxton Lynch, just yep. not the sharpest the tool. Same. Garrett Bowles, just not the sharpest tool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It really does all come back. We just figured it out. So thanks for asking <laughs> us again. For some reason, John Elway is struggling in the uh, the mental evaluation. Is that just, again, him overlooking how smart he was as a player and not realizing how important that was because he possessed that? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, you go through all of these guys – Brock Osweiler wasn't really a, a smarts thing. No. But, man, way too many guys are coming up on that end of the spectrum. Yeah. Maybe he is just going too much into ability and not into the full package. And it uh, seems like it changed last year. Right. I was just going to say, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Royce Freeman, all guys who wouldn't get that rap. No. Certainly wouldn't. Boy, so there we go. There's your answer. Figured it out for you. <laughs> Next one from Aaron Litvak. He says, I am all about paying Chris. At some point, you need to prove some team loyalty, and if you're not going to take care of a guy who can still play, who has taken that discount and is what we look for in a Bronco. Otherwise, you are back in a hole if you trade him away. Question now. What free agents out there right now do you see as a fit to Denver for not just scheme, but maybe financial sense? Example, Domita Pecco on a vet minimum. Thanks, OG MVP. I don't know if they just uh, – there's not that many out there that they can even afford. Um, you probably could get Domita on a vet min if that's what you want to do. Doesn't feel like that's what Vic Fangio wants to do. It, it certainly doesn't. And, boy, the only way I see Domita coming back is if the draft absolutely falls on their face and two or three guys slip past them that they wanted to draft to plug the middle. Yeah, also I think they have um, a lot of belief in Zach Kerr. But I also think Vic Fangio is interested in using Shelby Harris in there. And Shelby Harris kind of fits what he likes to do on the interior defensive line. So um, that's a possibility. And then, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that we've talked about also going in there, you mix, you have a mix of, you know, Ed Oliver, Shelby Harris, and Derek Wolf. You feel okay about that. Uh, you're right. I mean, what, what Vic said at the owners' meetings was you can't have – nose tackles and defensive ends you have to have defensive linemen and Domita while he's he's been very good throughout his career at being one position that's nose. not that's not everywhere it's one position yeah so so Vic likes a little more athleticism a little more length uh, a little more versatility from his guys we got any buzzer beaters no buzzer beaters no buzzer beaters so that wraps it up for us today on the BSM Broncos podcast tomorrow we'll be back in the building with the Broncos um, and we'll see who we get might be Andy Janovich, might be Joe Flacco. We'll find out. Um, but you'll find out all about it on bsndenver.com. Make sure you subscribe and check out our content. And 
Before we jump out of here, I do want to tell you about our new friends over at LiveWell. LiveWell Enlightened Health is your go-to dispensary for the best deals on the highest quality cannabis products. Members of LiveWell's free rewards program have access to $30 pre-weigh half ounces and $60 pre-weigh ounces every single day. LiveWell has 16 locations across Colorado from the Four Corners all the way up to Fort Collins with six locations in the Denver area as well. Visit livewell.com slash BSN for all of the most up-to-date sales and promotions. That's livewell, spelled L-I-V, no E, L-I-V-W-E-L-L.com slash BSN. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. It's getting me down, waiting up for you. Makes me